Uh, we're going to go over some new stuff the Lord gave me uh, for this. We're going to go over that other stuff too. So keep your, keep your old outline from last week because we had to hurry up through the end of that. And I don't want to do that. I want to go back over some of that stuff. But I, I was going to do that tonight, but God gave me some more stuff. So we're going to go over the new stuff. And then next week we'll go over the old stuff. Y'all got that? Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, we're going to be, here's the way this is working out. Here's the way this is working out. Last week, we, we talked about, it said, be careful for nothing. You know, uh, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication. Uh, basically, that part of that chapter deals with what do you do in the crisis? In other words, what do you do when all hell's breaking loose? What do you do when everything's falling apart? All right, these are the steps you take. That's, in other words, in the moment. Say that with me. When you're when you're in the moment. But today, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're going to talk about what do you do before the crisis? What do you do before the crisis? What do you do leading up to it? Because here's the, here's the thing. What you do, the actions you take before the storm, will greatly determine your response in the storm, and it will determine what you receive from the storm. Does that make sense? And so, here's, here's what I, I, I really believe that God is teaching us. Uh, God wants us to be cool, calm, and collected. Are y'all with me? In other words, He don't want us to wait halfway through the storm and, 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 and Him having to come to the rescue to get us to that point. He wants us to be there before we ever get in the storm. I want to be the type of Christian that is calm. I want to be the kind of Christian that is stable. I want to be the kind of Christian that is steady. Storm or no storm, we're there. Our moderation, ease of mind. Does that make sense? Say amen. So there's some stuff we have to do before the storm ever gets here because I'm, I'm here to tell you, the storms will come. They will come. There's no such thing as an easy life. There's no such thing as a life without issues and without problems and without sicknesses and without things. I, I've already dealt with uh, 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 just massive issues this morning and this afternoon. And then, then right, before, right before the lesson tonight, we heard some news that could be something horrible. Now, here's the thing. It's always going to be like that. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Jesus said it. He warned it. But... He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Say amen. All right, all right, let's do it. Let's jump in this thing, and we'll go feet first, all right? Uh, uh, Philippians chapter number 4, in verse number 4. Verse number 4, have you found your spot? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation... Be known unto all men, in other words, this whole world, the people outside of this building, the people outside of this church, they should see that we are cool, calm, and collected. Why? The Lord is at hand. That means He is within, He's within, He's within reach. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Remember that word keep means to stand guard, to garrison. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, uh, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, 
If there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Come on, seen in me. Do. That means to practice. To practice. And the God of peace shall be with you. So this is what we have a promise from God. Not only the peace of God, but the God of peace. The peace of God is His promise, His assurance. The God of peace is His presence. It's one thing to have His promise, but it's another thing to have His presence with you. Amen? And I'm glad we can have both of them by what He has given us here tonight. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your blessings. Thank You for Your goodness. I pray Your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I know you way over yonder can't probably, you can't see this board uh, but you can look on the screen, all right? There we go. Uh, here, here is our Christian life. Our Christian life is basically made up of this. A fight and a struggle all the time with a battle between our fear and our... Come on, everybody. Our fear and our, our faith is pulling one way. Our fear is pulling another way. Our spiritual man is pulling this way. Our physical man, our fleshly, our carnal is pulling that way. God is saying you can do all things. And the devil's saying you're not going to make it. The devil's giving you all the bad news. The devil's telling you lie after lie. He's trying to instill fear. You say, how do you know the devil's doing it? Because the Bible says God does not give the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So... Here we are in our life, everybody's life, every single person's life, every day of your life, you're going to have that fight. There's that struggle. My, my fear's pulling that way, my fate's pulling that way, all the time. And by the way, you never, you never, now, now get this, everybody, you got to get this, because sometimes we miss this. Uh, you, you never, ha, you never, let me see how I word it. You never, ever get to the place that you stop fighting. In other words, there's never a time when you've arrived. There's never a time when, when, when you're all the way here and you get to stay here. You say, how do you know that? Because even the disciples were at places that they struggled with their fear later on. In other words, we may win a victory today, but we may have another battle tomorrow. Does this make sense? So, so there is never going to be a time when we get to quit swimming. And we get to quit fighting. It's something we have to do all the time. So, we are either living in fear or we're living in faith. When we, when we are worrying, when we're worrying, that means we're living in fear. All right? When we are trusting, and trust is the opposite of worry, that means we're living in So, so, what God has shown me this week, and He wants me to share with you, that if we're going to live in a place of non-worry, if we're going to live in a worryless place or worryless situation, we have to do something about our faith. It is surrounded, it is centered in, it has to do with our faith. In other words, we can't wait till we get in the middle of the crisis, we can't wait till we get in the middle of the storm, we can't wait till the wheels fall off before we try to get some faith. We need to have faith going into the storm. If that makes sense, say amen. Now, let's look at our notes, our new notes. This is, this is what I want to share with you. I, wanted, I, wanted, I want our people 
to, to do some preventative maintenance, if you will. I want to do some preventive maintenance to, to, to take some steps so that we can be strong when the storm comes. Now, how many of y'all agree with me and understand that you believe what I'm saying when I say everybody's going to go through it some, sooner or later? Okay, so would we all agree then that we all need to do something now so that when we get there, we're not falling off the hinges? Amen? Now, here's some things about faith I want you to write down. <clears throat> and I know some of these are going to sound elementary, but that's okay. That's okay. I want, I want the, the most baby Christian in here, the newest Christian in here, the, 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 the most unseasoned Christian in here. I want to start from the ground up. Here's, here's what we need to know about faith. Faith and, 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 and our belief, our assurance, our confidence. Here's the thing. Number one, your faith. <clears throat> your faith. God is the source and object of our faith. God is the source and object of our faith. In other words, your faith is only as good as what the object is. What you're putting your faith in. You can't just say, I have faith. Okay, what do you have faith in? What is your faith in? God is the source. God is the object of our faith. Now, let me read this verse. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. Look right there in your notes, right there in your notes. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. Are you there? Say amen. Watch this. Paul is talking about his troubles. Paul is talking about his difficulties, his trials, his hard, hard times that he's going through. Now, watch what he says about it. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, even that we despaired even our, of our own life. What is he saying? He was under such stress and under such pressure, he thought they were going to die. He was under such difficulty, under such trouble, that they thought that they would die. Now watch what he says about it. But we had this sentence of death in ourselves. Now read this with me. That we should not trust in ourselves. Say it with me. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Now what does that mean? God will put us in situations. He will put us and allow trials in our life so that we cannot trust in anybody or anything but him. He took the nation of Israel out of Egypt and took them into a barren wilderness where there was no water, where there was no food, where there was no supply because he wanted them to exhaust all of their, everything that they leaned on before and totally, completely lean on him. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, why is God doing this to me in my life? It may be that he wants your faith to stop being in your job or your faith to stop being in that person you're living with or your faith stop being even in your own self. There are so many people, so many Christians who have more faith in themselves than they do the God they worship and the God they serve. They have more faith in their talent. They have more faith in their ability to, to, to figure out problems. But guess what? God will give you a problem you can't figure out. 
God will put you in a situation that you can't fix it, and you can't change it. You can't do anything about it. And I'm telling you, that's a helpless place to be. That is a frustrating place to be when you've got to take your hands off of it, and nothing you say changes it, nothing you do fixes it, nothing you try will do any good, and what God is saying, hey, is mine. And he's doing it on purpose so you will quit trusting in yourself. You will quit trusting in other people. You will quit trusting in the things of this world and let him be the object of your faith. You know why it's so quiet in here? We're guilty. We're guilty. If you look at Jacob, you look at the life of Jacob when he left. When he left, he was was still conniving. He was still doing all of these things, and he was depending on his his conniving ways and his trickery. But guess what? God met him, and he began to wrestle with the Lord. And in that place, in that place, God had forced him, forced him to acknowledge who he was and, and, and say, what is your name? If you'll remember, he was asked his name before, and he lied to his daddy. He said, what's your name? And he said, my name's Esau. He's lying. See, he's tricking in, trying to get by, trying to get through with his own ways and his own, his own ability. And now here he is wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And he says, what's your name? And he finally fessed up, my name's Jacob. What did he do? He had to come to the end of himself. He had to come to the place and own up to who he was and what he was. And now he had to depend on God. And God blessed him incredibly. He said, your name will no longer be Jacob, it will be Israel. Here's the point. We have got to come to a place where the object of our faith is bigger than the problem that we are facing. You've got to understand that God is bigger than your storm. God is bigger than your problem. God is bigger than your critic. God is bigger than your struggle. God is bigger than everything that you have. And if he is not the object of your faith, your faith is no good. And I know, I know getting in these ways are difficult. I know going through these trials. Can you imagine being in a situation where you were under so much pressure, you thought you were going to die, and be able to come out of that and say, the only reason God did that is so we wouldn't trust in ourselves. That we would trust in Him. You know what? I may not have to preach nothing else to some of you in here. This may have answered the question why you're going through what you're going through. Because God is not necessarily, not necessarily trying to develop your faith. He's trying to direct your faith. From yourself to him. If this makes sense, say amen. Amen. All right. He has to be the object of our faith, the source of our faith. He has to be. It's all about him. Number two, number two, our faith. Our faith, it is a seed that must be cultivated. It is a seed that must be cultivated. Say that with me. It is a Seed. seed. It is a seed. You say, where do you get that? You remember where Jesus, he used the terminology, a mustard seed. If you had faith, there's a grain of a mustard seed. He could have said a grain of sand, but it wasn't the size. That was not the emphasis of what Jesus was trying to say. It was not about the size. It was about the type. The type. You see, a seed has life in it. A seed has an ability If you take that seed and you put it in the ground and you cultivate it, you water it, you fertilize it, it has the ability to grow. Are y'all with me? 
Now, that's what he's saying. Your faith. In other words, you don't just get saved. You don't just get saved and have all the faith you need. Now, think about that. How many Christians are going to church every week and they are, they are living off of their salvation faith? They have just enough faith to make it to heaven, but not enough faith to pay the bills. When God wants us to grow our faith, God wants our faith to grow in Him and get stronger and stronger. Build in our faith. Now watch. Let me, let me, let me read your verse. Look at your notes. Matthew 17. And when they were come to the multitude, this is the story, this is the story of the disciples uh, when, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. If you'll remember Peter, James, and John, and Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and, and, and they came off the Mount of Transfiguration, and here are the disciples, and they're kind of, the, 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 the critics are, are picking on the disciples because here was a man with a, with a, a boy, his son, who had, a, who had a demon. They couldn't do nothing about it. And, and, and so they tried to cast him out. They were unsuccessful. And by the way, by the way, if you will read a few chapters before this, you'll find out where God had given them power to do that very thing. They had already had the power. They had already had the experience. They'd already been casting out devils before. But something changed. Something changed. Now they couldn't. Now they were unsuccessful. Could it have been that the object of their faith changed? Could it be that the first time they went out, that their faith was completely on Jesus, completely on His ability to get the job done, completely on His promise that He would give them power to cast out devils and to heal diseases and do all of that? And they went everywhere healing people, everywhere casting out devils, because the object of their faith was in the Lord Jesus Christ. But over time... They started putting their faith in their ability. They started putting their faith in their knowledge and their know-how and their experience. I know y'all ain't going to get with me, but I'm going to just preach right on through. He said, how do you know all this? Because I remember when I first started preaching, I begged God, I begged God like we was going into an apocalypse before I got up. Every time. Because I desperately knew how much I needed him and begged him to help me and touch me. And there's been times over the years when I got more confidence in me and thinking, I got this. And you know what? God let me have it. And when I got it, I didn't want it. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all are getting what I'm throwing down? So, so my point is this. Just because you beat your devil today, there'll be a new devil tomorrow. So we'll never get to that place where we got this. We always have to have him as the object of our faith and the source of our strength. Now here these guys are. Jesus comes up to them in verse Matthew 17, 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and off into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, now he's speaking to the disciples, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him thither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. 
Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast them out? See, they were surprised. So why couldn't we do this? We've done it before. Why couldn't we do this? Look what he says. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Think about that. I mean, for years, a couple of years, they've been... Now all of a sudden... They're experienced, they're experienced men of God. They're experienced disciples, and they're struggling with unbelief. Now, now let's be honest with each other, guys. How many of y'all have been saved quite a while? Raise your hand. You've been saved quite a while. Now, how many of y'all have been saved quite a while, still every now and then struggle with unbelief? Isn't that something? Watch this. Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as grain of mustard seed. Not, he didn't say the size. He said as a seed. What is this, what's significant about a seed? It can grow. It must be cultivated. Your faith, in other words, when you got saved, God gave you a measure of faith. By the way, he's the source of our faith. He's the one who gives it to us. But we determine what we do with it. If you, and you say, how do I cultivate it? I, I'm telling you, I've been praying. I've been praying every week that I can make Wednesday night Bible studies so practical and so step-by-step step and easy to, to get and understand. And man, he's been doing that. So please write this down. How do we cultivate our faith? How do we cultivate our faith? Look what he says in this verse. Look what he says in this verse. <clears throat> he said... In, in verse, he said, Ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not by out by and... Okay, now let's read Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by and hearing by the... Okay, so here's three things. Here's three things that, that, is, that is incredibly essential to cultivate your faith. It, it, it's a must. First, it requires scripture. In other words, in other words, you have to, you have to, I wrote just in my notes, I didn't put it in yours, but just in my notes, I said you gotta read it. You gotta read it. Now, now let me say this. Nobody's off the hook with this. Nobody's off the hook with this, because the Bible says faith cometh by. And if you can't read, it's on CD. And I'm not, being, I'm not being smart or facetious because we do have some people that struggle with that, and, and maybe they can read but not good readers, and they struggle with the Bible. Guess what? You can put it on your iPhone. You can get CDs. There's no excuse. Not in the world we live in today. Not with technology. Now, in the day when they didn't have Bibles and they didn't have all that, that's one thing, but not today. Okay, so don't make no excuses for this. Well, I'm not a good reader. Well, let somebody read it to you. Hit the button and pour it on, Charleston Heston. Say amen. We've got to read it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by... Okay, here's the thing. Why, why is that so important? Why do we need to read the Bible? Why, why do we need to read the Bible? Why, I mean, why is that a prerequisite to faith? Because the Bible is all about the object of our faith. 
How are you going to have faith in something you don't know? How are you going to have faith in someone you don't know? In other words, the more you know about him, the more you learn about his power, the more you learn about his promises to you, the more you learn about the the evidence that he has given that he will always be there, how he was there for the Hebrew children, how he was there for Daniel in the den of lions, how he was there for David and Goliath. Are you all with me? And the more you read about it, the more courage you receive and the more confidence you receive and the more faith that you build up because you know who he is. And not only that, but there's power in his word. You, you can't read, you, listen, you can read the Wall Street Journal and it not change you a bit. Maybe depress you. But you cannot read God's Word without it doing something to you and in you. Because the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. There's power in the Word. So we've got to read it. We've got to read it. But then I put this in my notes. I put, I need to meditate on it. You remember Psalm 1? Write Psalm 1 in your notes right there. Psalm 1. Blessed. You know what the word blessed means? Happy. How many of y'all would like to be happy? You know what Psalms 1 says? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law doth he, doth he, doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. He talks about prospering. Talks about prospering even in a desert place. What's the point? What does meditate mean? What's the difference between reading and meditating? All right. How many of y'all, anybody own a cow? Have y'all seen a cow? Raise your hand. You've seen a cow. All right. How many of y'all have ever seen a cow out in the middle of a pasture and he's doing this number? And you know he ain't stuck his head down in 20 minutes. Say amen. What's he doing? Come on, everybody. Y'all some country people, ain't you? What's he doing? You know what his cud is? It's pregurgitated. It, it, it's something he had picked before and brought back up to think about it some more. Don't shake your head, Buchanan. That's exactly what it is. I saw it. I saw it. You know what that means? You know what God is trying to say? To meditate is something you've read, and now you're going to think about it. And see, what happens is, is the word starts to simmer, and it starts to percolate in us, and it starts a process of changing our minds. That's what it means to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the... How do you renew your mind? With the truth of the gospel. And I'm telling you, I, I, some, of the, some of the best messages I've ever gotten is when I, I've been up here studying maybe late Saturday night, and I go home with this stuff on my mind. And in the middle of the night, I'll be laying in bed, and, I, and this stuff's percolating in my head. And in the morning, man, I'll get up, and you can ask Tammy. She's back there. You can ask her. I've asked her, hey, get me a pen real quick. Get me a pen real quick. Or, or write this down for me. And, and, and so all this, because I've been meditating on Some of y'all are like, I don't know where he gets all this stuff. Maybe if you'll meditate a little bit, you'll get some. God's no, God's no respecter of persons. 
We need to meditate on it. We need to read it. Because, see, this is about faith. And now you think, oh, man, here you go. He's just trying to get us to read our Bibles. No, I'm trying to get you not to freak out in a storm. That's, that's my goal. I'm trying for us to be the type of Christians that when the trial comes and the difficulty comes, we can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We can be like Daniel, and we can be like David. Because God knows there's enough churches falling all apart and Christians falling all apart. It's time we have some that we can let our moderation be known. So how do we do that? What I'm talking about. This is preventive maintenance. We need to read it. We need to meditate on it. And guess what? It also says this. According to my Bible, we need to memorize it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What does that mean? Memorize it. And it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. It's not difficult to memorize stuff. Not like we think it is. Let's do a test. All right? You want to do a test? There's a tear in my... Come, don't act all holy on me. I seen some faces out there. Can I say that in church? You know? How'd you know that? You memorized it. There's some of us country song. Come on, we can say the whole thing just like we're Conway Twitty. Say amen. We can do it. You know what? There's, there's times. I, I, I'm, this is God's truth. There's times I'll, I'll study, I'll study a, a portion of Scripture, a chapter of Scripture to preach something, and through that week or a couple weeks or whatever, I, I, I read it over and over and over again, and by the time I come, it's there. And I haven't really made that great of an effort. I didn't try to memorize it. It just stuck, you know, I mean, because you read it over and over and over again. But you've got to make an effort. You've got to want to. You know what I figured out? It, 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 and and, and I, I, this, is the, this is the God's truth. I figured out is if there's something I want to do, I'll figure out a way to do it. And I believe everybody in this room is the same way. If you really set your mind to something, you do it. The question is, do we want to? And most of the time we don't because we're a little lazy, if the truth be known. I mean, we're just going to be honest. It's, all, it's just family here tonight, so let's just be honest. Most of the time we don't because it, we, we got a little lazy streak. But I guarantee you this, the next time that that crisis hits, and the next time you get that phone call, the next time... I guarantee you, you will wish that you took a little time to get in God's Word so that God could be so real to you and so big to you that this crisis you're in ain't nothing compared to the big God you serve. And what I found out about the Christian life, we got to make an effort. you got to try. Amen? So the Scriptures are involved. Then what did he say? Prayer. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on that because we did that last week. Prayer. That's what he said in, in Philippians chapter number 4. Be careful for nothing but in everything by, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We talked about that last week, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there. So pray. We need to learn to pray. How do, how do we cultivate our faith? We cultivate it by the Scriptures, and we cultivate it by prayer, times of prayer. You say, well, what do you mean? <clears throat> now let's think about this. The Bible says a lot. Let, let, me go back to the, let me go back to the original statement at the top of your page. Let me go back to the original statement at the top of your page. Now, you remember what we said? It, what you do, what you do before the storm will determine your response in the storm and will determine what you receive 
after the storm. Now, let's think about this. The Bible says that Jesus, over and over and over again, would get up a great while before day and pray. He would pray so much, and he would pray so effectively, that at one point, his disciples said, will you teach us how to do that? They were so intrigued by his prayer. Not necessarily. They, I, not one place does it say, will you teach us how to heal people? Now, I'll be honest with you, that healing stuff, that's kind of cool. Nowhere does it say, teach us how to do that. Nowhere does it say, will you teach us how to preach? Man, you could bring the word like nobody we've ever heard. Because they said, man, this guy preached with authority, and he teaches with authority. What manner of man is it? They never asked that. But his prayer life was so significant, they said, teach us how to do that. Now think about this. A great while before day, he would get up and pray. He would spend time with his father. Now watch this. They're in the middle of the storm. They're in the middle of the storm. They're all there. Jesus is there. The disciples are there. Now, now, what are the disciples doing? Come on, everybody. They are wigging out. Can you say wig with me? Say it again. What is Jesus doing? Let me ask you a question. Would you, be the, would you like to be the type of Christian that is so peace, even in the storm, you can lay down and go to sleep? It may be because of what he was doing before the storm. He said, oh, but he was Jesus. Yeah, but he was man. He was all man. He lived by faith in his Father like every human being. That's the miracle of this whole incarnation thing. But you see, he was doing something before the storm that determined his response in the storm. Y'all with me? Now, I would, I would venture to say that his disciples wasn't doing the same thing Jesus was doing. Would you agree with that? Now, watch this. You said, but that's during the storm. What about after the storm? Guess what Jesus did? He calmed the storm, turned around to them, and said, what's your problem? Well, that's kind of what he said. Where's your faith? Where is your I wonder how many crises we go through and we, we run to God and, oh, help me, help me, help me, help me. And I'm saying we because I've done this multiple times in my life in ministry. God runs in on the scene and he deals with it and he turns around to us and says, where is your He says this too. Why? Are ye so fearful? Isn't that what we've been talking about? You say, yeah, but that's, the, you know, all right, let's use somebody else in the storm. I happen to read in, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, there was a man by the name of Paul that was in a storm. And, and all of the sailors, what were they doing? What was the disciples doing? Oh, yeah, come on. you know what Paul said? He said, all right, boys, I met with the angel of the Lord tonight. I've heard from God. I've heard from God. Everything's going to be all right. And uh, Miss Diane, what did he say? And I believe God. Paul was the only one in this. And by the way, he did say this, too. I told you so. 
That might not have been all spiritual, but he threw that in there. Amen. He said, I believe God. His response in the storm was completely different than the others. I wonder why that is. You think it was because he walked with God before the storm and spent time in prayer so that when he was in... And by the way, by the way, this is an important fact right here. This is an important fact. Even if you don't think your peace of mind is all that important, guess what? He needed peace of mind so he could calm the rest of them. And see, this is what I'm seeing. I, I, I guess this is why God's wanting me to really focus on this and deal with this, because we have a world that's wigging out. We have a culture and communities that's wigging out, and I'm afraid we have Christians that are wigging out. And what God is trying to say to me is to help you, let's get cool, calm, and collected, and let's learn, hey, we can handle this. We can deal with this. God is on our side. We can have faith in Him. Why? Because other people need to see our moderation. Does this make sense? Okay. All right. All right. Now, let's go back, let's go back to that cultivation. That cultivation. Uh, we said that the Scriptures are involved. We need to read our Bible. We need to meditate on our Bible. We need to memorize our Bible. Then we talked about prayer. All right. But then write this down. He uses the word fasting. Write that down. <clears throat> if you ever want to get God's attention, fast. And let me say this. I'm going to bust some bubbles right here, but I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Uh, fasting doesn't mean you put your phone up for three days. Now, you can do that. You can do that. But if you want to fast the biblical fast, you're going to have to put the groceries away. I, I've, I've seen people say, well, we're going to fast. The church is fasting for a revival. We're going to fast. We're not going to watch TV, but every other day. No. You, you, listen, and you say, well, they don't have TVs in the Bible. I'm telling you, biblical fasting, they put the groceries away. And you are, you, what, here's, here's some things you're doing. I don't want to deal too much with this because i got too much other stuff to talk about. But you're getting the flesh under control. You're, you're bringing the flesh under subjection. You're showing God that you're serious. Now, I'm here to tell you, if I push food away, I'm serious. And you don't, you don't fast, you don't fast, you know, half-heartedly. Fasting is not something that you, listen, you're serious. You are dead serious about your situation when you are burdened so much that you need God to move in your storm or in your crisis or in your situation that you're willing to fast. But I will tell you this, fasting moves the hand of God. There is great power in fasting and prayer. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Church, say amen. What three ways, what three ways do we cultivate our faith, that seed of faith that we have? We do it through Scripture. We do it through prayer. We do it through. All right. All right. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. I know some of y'all, this is kind of boring because it's very elementary, but I promise you, this is if we, sometimes we just need a refresher course. Amen. All right. Number three, our faith. Something we need to know about our faith. Our faith is a muscle that must be exercised. It is a muscle that must be exercised. If you will, turn in your Bible with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 
1 Samuel chapter 17 is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. How many of y'all remember the story of David and Goliath? Okay, all five of you. <clears throat> well, y'all awful quiet tonight. God must be really hitting home tonight. And that's fine, too. That's fine, too, because he sure body slammed me today. David, David, <clears throat> David is, is a young man at this point. Let's just say, let's say a young teenager. He's a young man. Not all that big a guy. And, 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 and then there's a whole message you can preach on that, how God will use the foolish things of this world. Uh, but here we have David. He comes up on his, his brethren, his father. And he, he's not even really big enough to be at the war, at the fight, at the battle. Uh, Israel is on one side of a valley, and the Philistines are on the other side of the valley, one on one mountain, the other on the other, and they're kind of at a stalemate. And the Philistines have a, a hero, their fighter, their number one fighter, Goliath. He's a giant, nine and a half feet tall. He's a bad man. Say amen. He comes down in the valley every single day, 40 days he's coming down. And he's hollering, he's cussing, he's raising Cain. He's, he's, he's just saying all kind of vulgar things about the Israelites and the Israelite gods. He's cursing them and defying God and saying, give me a man, let's, let's have a contest. Give me a man, I'll fight with him. If I win, the Philistines are, are the winner of this battle. If, if you win, then we'll surrender to you. Give me a man. And not, not one person moved. Saul is a head taller than all the rest of them. He should have been the one to go in that, that valley, but that wasn't going to happen. So here comes David. Y'all know the story. I need to save time. Y'all know the story. He comes in to check on his brother's. And, and, man, he's all excited. He's going about checking on everything. And he hears this junk. All right? And he says, what in God's name is that? And they tell him. They tell him the whole story. They say, matter of fact, the king says, somebody go down there and whoop him, that he'll, he'll make them rich and give him his daughter to marry. He says, say what? He says, say that again. And they repeated it again. Well, he said, I tell you what, that sounds like a job for me. And you know what his brothers did? This is what they said. We know the naughtiness of thine heart. You should be back there watching them sheep. And boy, David said one of the most powerful phrases that's ever been said. He said, is there not a cause? You know what he was basically saying? He said, I don't know why you're not mad. Don't you hear what this giant's saying? Don't we have a reason to be mad? Don't we have a reason? I'm not the one with the problem. That's what David's saying. He said, I'll go fight him. Well, Saul hears about it. Saul hears about it. And, and so Saul wanted to see him. And so David goes to Saul, and, and, and this is the first thing he says. This, I, I didn't put this in these notes, but I put it in my notes in my head. Saul says, the very first thing he says is, you can't do this and you know what the holy spirit spoke to me fearful people are negative people fearful people you see he's afraid fearful people are negative people you want to find the most negative people they're the ones that's afraid to do what you're trying to do well anyway anyway that's all that's just a totally different thought 
He says, man, what are you thinking? You're just a lad. This man has been a man of war since he was a youth. And this is what David said. And this is my point. So this, if y'all want to start writing, this is, this is where we're talking about right here. We're talking about building muscles, faith muscles. He said, let me tell you something, king. He said, he said there was a day I was watching my father's sheep. I was just doing what I was supposed to do. I was minding my own business, and I was doing what I was supposed to do. And there came a lion, and it roared up against me. And he said, I killed that lion, or God delivered the lion into my hand. He said, not only did I take that, that, that lamb out of his mouth, I grabbed him by the beard and killed him. He said, and also a bear rose up against me. And God delivered him in my hand. So let me tell you something, King. This old nasty scoundrel down in this valley, he's going to be the same way. That's what he says. I'm just generalizing it. What's the point? Before God will let you tackle Goliath, he's going to send you a line so you can practice. Your present, your present challenge. So I preach, I've just been minding my own business. And here it is. You know what? David was just minding his own business. And a challenge rose up against him. An obstacle, a problem, a trial, a storm. If you want to use the word storm, I don't know about you, but if you've ever grabbed a lion by the beard, that's kind of stormy weather. Say amen. A difficulty. And you know what? David had no idea. He just thought that this was a lion trying to get one of the lambs. And David had no idea God was getting him ready for his destiny. So he's building his faith muscles. Well, I killed a lion. God delivered a lion to me. Well, guess what? Right after that happened, an old bear come along. And I would, I would say, I would say the bear may have been more challenging than the lion. Because I do know this, whatever your challenge is today that you overcome and get victory over, it's not going to be the same one next week. You know why? Because you never grow that way. Say you're, you're, say you're lifting weights. Say you're lifting weights. Boy, I got this one now. Do you go down in weight? No, that's stupid. You go up in weight. And so here he used the lion. Then he used the bear because one day he was going to face a giant. And some of us are whining for him to take away the lion. When God says, no, you need that lion. Because it's with that lion that you're going to develop the skills you need to face that giant. Man, I'm teaching tonight. So how do you know that? Because I'm teaching to me. The very first, I don't want to use the word issue, because that's kind of strong. Where's Uncle at? Hey, Donnie, you remember when we was going to borrow the 25000 to build this wing over here on the L shape? Remember when that family left and run around town telling them I was putting us in bankruptcy? 
Now, we ain't yet, but we got time. Amen. 25,000. Brother Donnie and Miss Cindy, if y'all have ever been in the old auditorium, one was in the right side closet. It was basically a little bitty room where you could change clothes and go up into the baptistry. And on the left side, Miss Cindy was on, I guess you was on the left side, right? One, one way or the other. Donnie was on the left. I had it right the first time. There you go. Basically, they was in closets. We had no Sunday school space, no nothing. I said, man, let's just believe God. Let's just take a step of faith. Let's do this. Let's build this. It was a challenge. Especially when you were so small that you was, you know, it was difficult. At that time, it was a lion. People got angry. People left. You know? Because sometimes everybody's not willing to take a step of faith. And guess what? They'll never see this. Anyway, we did it, built it that summer. Boom. God started moving and blessing in an incredible way. And I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. When I first mentioned that, I said, man, let's take a step of faith. The church was like, oh. Now, they were taught right, and they were trained right to follow the leadership God put in front of them. But when you've been discouraged a long time, it's tough. But they did. They did it with, through gritted teeth. We filled up that room and tore out the wall. So, guys, we need to tear out this wall. We got people coming, can't even find a seat. People were pulling in the parking lot and leaving because there was no place to park. What a terrible problem. I said, let's, let's do this. Let's tear this wall out. Let's do it. And now it was, all right. Still a little nervous. Still a little nervous. We killed the lion. Here's our bear. And we filled that up. Filled that up. And now it's packed in there. And I said, guys, we need to build a big building. You see, the first step was the lion. The second step was the bear. This was Goliath. But guess what? When I said, guys, we need to build a 500-seat auditorium, you know what they said? Woo! You know why? Because we had developed some faith muscles. And you're never going to have the faith to face a giant until you learn to exercise it on a lion. Some of y'all have sat in church pews your whole life, scared to death, unwilling to take a step of faith and try something for God, and wonder why you can't be David. Well, you can be David. But you'll never be David killing Goliath in the valley till you learn to run that line off in, in, the, in, in, in chasing them sheep. You've got to exercise your faith. You've got to take a step of faith. It's kind of like the turtle. How many of y'all ever seen a turtle? Now, he's secure in the shell, but he ain't going nowhere. Now, if he sticks his head out, a gator may bite it off. 
But he'll starve to death if he stays in his shell. And he'll never see the world around him if he stays in his shell. Say, but there's a risk. Oh, but it's worth it. We need to exercise our faith. Your faith is never going to grow till you exercise your faith. Take a step of faith, man. Learn to go forward. Learn to try things. Learn to do things. Go on a missions trip. Listen, volunteer for a ministry. I'm not going to be Saul in the tent. I'm not going to be the angry brother that's mad at everybody else is getting something done. Y'all with me? It's a muscle that needs to be exercised. Let's, let's, let's go to the next one. Here, oh, oh no, let me just read this. Let me read this. This is good stuff. I'm not, I'm not going to preach it. I'm just going to, here's some things. I, I, I read these verses. Challenges come as opportunities to exercise our faith. Say that with me. That's verses 34 and 36. That's the, the lion and the bear. All right. David knew the object of his faith. See that, see, that goes back to point number one. Look in, look in verse number, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, in verse 37. David said, moreover, the, moreover, the, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. What gave him strength in the valley? He knew the object of his faith. He knew it was not his skill. He knew it was not his sling. It was the Lord that done it. Are y'all with me? All right, David knew the object of his faith. C, he knew the, the purpose of his courage. Look in verse 46. Now he's talking to the giant. The giant's done cussed him, and the giant's done threatened him. Now this is what David says to the giant. This day, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the, car uh, uh, the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a And all this assembly, this talking about the, now he's talking about the Philistines, or excuse me, the Israelites. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear for the Woo! That's enough preach right there I could throw down. He said, on one side of this thing, this whole world's going to see that there's a God in Israel. We fix to kill all y'all and all these scaredy cats over here on this hill who's thinking they got to get it done with a spear and they got to get it done with a sword and they got to get it done with their physical, human means and, and, and the things that they have with their own talent. They're going to learn that this battle's the Lord's. You know what? I think that right there is worth price of admission tonight. That thing you're worried about, it's God's problem. That thing that's keeping you up at night, that's God's problem. That problem you're facing, it's not your problem. Your problem is you think it's your problem. That's the problem. The battle is the Lord's. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Now watch, now watch. There is no way there's only three minutes. Watch this. You me tell you, you me tell you, you me tell you why God did what He did in that valley. This may, this may just completely, com 
completely change how you see your whole life. He sent a runt to fight a giant. So there is no way in this world anybody could get credit but him. And you know what David knew? David knew that the ultimate purpose of this whole deal was not so David could hold up that nasty head and so David could be cheered as a hero. The whole purpose of this whole thing is that so God would be glorified. God is not going to help you in your problems so you can feel better about it. God is not going to deliver you out of your situation so you can kick back and take it easy and not have no problems, not have no worries, and just so you can uh, be at ease in Zion. God is going to help you in your trial so you will give glory to Him and so the world around you can see God move on your behalf and so a a lost and dying world can see that there is a real God. Why do you think he let the children of Israel go through the fiery furnace? Because this king needed to see that God was alive and God was real and he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and he was more than capable of delivering them out of that fire and the whole world needed to know who he was. And God may let you face a fire. God may let you face a den of lions. Listen, not just to build your faith, but to give you an opportunity to glorify Him and bring glory and honor to Him so revival can take place around you and the people around you. Church, say amen. We can do it. One minute. Number four. Number four. No, no. I didn't give you D, did I? Let me, let me, let me read that. That just goes with what I just said. Exercising your faith may be what people need to see in order to exercise their faith. Watch this. Let me read it. Let me read it. The Bible says in verse number 52, And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until they came to the valley and to the gates of Ekron, and they wounded of the Philistines, or the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. What happened? David was willing to exercise his faith. And because David was willing to exercise his faith, it gave those who had none courage and faith. Who's going to be the David tonight? Are you going to stay in your tent? Are you going to stay in your tent? Are you going to, are you going to wait till somebody else goes out there and does something great for God? Are you going to let everybody else around you get the glory? Are you going to let everybody else around you? Mm-mm. I ain't. Why? Because I'm telling you. A life of faith. <laughs> there is no life without faith. Let's skip that last point. And let me just read you the, these bottom things. If you want to write it down, your faith is a strength that must be tested. I promise you this, according to First Peter, your, your faith will be tested. 
that the trying of your faith, and you can read the rest. You say, why is this faith so important? Why is this faith so important? First thing you see there, we're what by faith? We're saved by faith. Then number two, we, we live by faith. Number three, we overcome by faith. Number four, and I'll read it like I printed it. Read it again. Only by faith. And here's the thing. Let me read it. Luke 18, 4. I tell you that he will avenge him speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith. He's looking for faith. The times that you find Jesus the most tickled is when he saw people with great faith. The centurion that came to him and said, man, I, my servant's sick. I need you to help me. He said, all right, take me. He said, oh, no, you don't have to do that. Hey, I know who you got power. Just say the word. And Jesus said, Whew. look at their faith. Oh, tears move the heart of God. Not like faith. Oh, but if you just beg God, not like faith. When he looked up and saw them tear out that roof and them four guys lower their friend down to him, here's a guy that's crippled and sick, and he's down here waiting to be healed, and Jesus is like this. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Look at their... Faith. Listen, let's develop faith before the crisis so we can be cool in the crisis. Why? Because there's going to be people that don't know Jesus that will see Jesus in our response to the crisis. And all God's people see it. We're going to have to put in a, a petition and a request for more time. <clears throat> you glad you came tonight? Amen. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody what you're getting out of this. Because I guarantee you, everybody else that goes to church here should have been here to hear this. So, share the well. Tell them what you're getting. Maybe they'll come. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for truth that changes lives.